Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. Although it's something that HR professionals and leaders won't need to do that often, suspending employees is something that many of us will face over the course of our careers and is something that simply must be understood to reduce the risks involved. There have also been significant developments in various cases in recent years, highlighting the complexity of this HR challenge. But we're in luck as we have someone who can guide us through these cases, key takeaways and considerations as we're joined again by Anne Lyon, a partner with the employment team at Hayes Solicitors. Thanks for joining us again, Anne. How are you? I'm good, Owen. How are you? Delighted to be here again. Brilliant stuff. Looking forward to the chat again. Uh, and as always, we're joined by our very own Liam Barton, Senior HR Consultant here at Inside HR. How are you, Liam? Thanks for joining us again. Very well, Owen. Thanks very much. Brilliant stuff. So look, let's jump right in. Um, and Anne, I'll come to yourself first for a bit of a, a context setter, as, as we said when we were chatting about this beforehand. So I suppose, Anne, a couple of questions here. Take whatever you want. I suppose it's just to give people an understanding generally. Um, can you explain kind of the legal basis for suspending an employee in the workplace? What circumstances typically warrant it? What is one? What isn't one? All that kind of stuff, whatever you think is relevant. Thanks, Owen. Um, I suppose, firstly, maybe if we address what is a suspension, and I'd say that you'd call it it's a temporary exclusion from the workplace. And it's called various things. So we use the word suspension in the public se- sector. They would often use the term administrative leave um, rather than suspension. The term paid leave is used, but that that often suggests more an agreed period of leave. When I say agreed, maybe an employee doesn't want to leave, but they agree it. And then we have garden leave, um, which is often used by employers in the context of excluding an employee during the notice period. So that's the kind of framework or the, the general words that are used in terms of suspensions. And then it's also good to remind ourselves that there's kind of two different types of suspensions. We have what we would typically, when we talk about suspensions, they're what would be known as kind of holding suspensions. So something happens in the workplace, there's an assault, there's been an accusation of bullying and an employer just decides, I need to suspend someone. Um, And they're often done pending an investigation to establish the facts, pending an investigation to a a, which could lead to a disciplinary. Those distinctions we'll come to later are important. And then we have what we would call, I suppose, a punitive suspension, which we don't really see. This would probably be a sanction post-termination where a employee has got a disciplinary sanction, a warning maybe, and that instead of dismissal, an employer might give a period of unpaid leave. But you don't tend to see that um, mm-hmm. But that is another type of suspension. As to the um, the legal basis for suspension, I'd say considering the case law in recent years, you'd have to say in order to suspend, an employer has to have a contractual right to suspend, so that it needs to be in the contract of employment, written in the contract of employment. And ideally, that clause uh, deals with different types of suspensions. Um, now, you don't 
see that necessarily. Typically, you just see a kind of, um, we may suspend. But the more prescriptive it is, the easier it will be for the employer to rely on. Um, you may also see suspensions in a policy or mention in a policy. So the disciplinary policy may mention suspension. But I would say unless there is a contractual right to suspend back in the contract referring to that policy, um, an employer is probably not on a strong legal basis to suspend because they would be relying on an implied right to suspend in the policy, which, again, given recent case law that will come to probably not as reliable. So I'd say an employer needs to have that framework contract policies referring back so that it's very clear that they say they're entitled to do it and you've acknowledged that in signing the contract. Definitely. It sounds like it can be quite tricky territory, so it's great to, great to chat about it, and as you said, and we will come back to some case law and deep dive a little bit more into it uh, over the course of the, the half an hour or whatever it'll be. Um, I suppose, Liam, then, as Anne has alluded to there, looks there's lots of different variations, lots of different things to consider when it comes to the specific, or suspension, sorry. Are there any kind of specific legal requirements or kind of best practices, I suppose, Liam, as well, that employers should kind of follow when deciding to suspend an employee? Again, I know it's complex, so there might not be a straight answer there, but is there, is there any kind of, I suppose, commonalities, best practices when it comes to this kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely, Owen, and I, I, I think Anne has given great advice there. I mean, really, if we look at the employment context and the employment relationship, potentially suspending someone is is a huge step. It's a huge um, impact on the employment relationship where you're potentially excluding someone from their place of work or their work duties and their, their colleagues and the clients that, that they deal with. So it's not a decision to be taken lightly and it is one that I would caution um, clients and, and people to take care and caution and time and legal and HR advice if they're considering suspending someone. Um, that's the first thing. So it's, it's not something that anyone should rush into. It's something that someone should check employment contracts employee handbooks and take appropriate advice on because um, it's not an innocuous decision and there is a context and there is a dynamic to placing someone on paid suspension um, and and that's been well tested in terms of the, the third party forums. I think probably the, the biggest case in the last 10 or 15 years probably the O'Reilly versus Bank of Ireland case um, and that was a case where I suppose the, I think it was the High Court, set out a number of parameters in terms of a potential employee suspension and the steps that a, a, a progressive or reasonable organization should consider um, before they, they consider suspending someone. And I think it was uh, Justice Noonan said that it was an extremely serious measure uh, which could cause irreparable damage to the employee's reputation. And I think that's something we really have to consider on in, in this realm because very often uh, I get clients, and I'm pres presuming it's the same with Anne, who, who, who come where something, a concern has been raised about a particular employee. And they say, well, look, we have it in the employment contract that we can suspend this person or place them on paid administrative leave or paid leave. Um, so we want to do that. And I suppose the, the, the Bank of Ireland case or the O'Reilly case set out that um, Suspension would only be justified if, if the following you know, parts were, were, were met, and that is to prevent repetition of the conduct complained of, uh, to prevent interference with evidence, 
to protect individuals at risk from such conduct or to protect the employer's business and reputation. And I suppose, really, on we're asking employers and businesses, you know, what's the basis? So if you're taking this very, very serious step to potentially for a a period of time, for months, weeks, um, to exclude somebody from the workplace, um, very often to cut them off from their emails and their their colleagues and, and the work that they do, what is the basis and what's the justification for that onerous step? And I think it's very, very important that Employers, if they are faced with the choice of potentially having to to suspend someone um, on full pay, that they look at the employment contract, they look at the disciplinary procedures, then they take advice and they ask themselves, is it really necessary to place this person on, on, on suspension? And, you know, are there other possibilities in terms of the person working remotely, somebody working within a different department, um, somebody working on different projects for a period of time while simultaneously potentially an investigation is being conducted and so I, I, I'd ask employers to consider a lot of different factors before they take that decision because very often what happens on in, in our case we get a phone call from a, a client or a potential client they say well look we want to conduct an investigation what's the investigation into suspected theft suspected bullying sexual harassment whatever it may be oh, yeah, and we've taken the decision to suspend the employee. And I said, well, you know, did you conduct a risk assessment? Did you look at your policies? Did you look at your procedures? I know, Liam, we didn't do any of that. We looked at our, we know we have it in the employment contract that we can suspend this person on full pay. And so I really think there's a high bar on in terms of potentially suspending someone. And definitely uh, I would be seeking the advice of someone like Anne in terms of, legal advice to make sure it is absolutely appropriate and necessary to suspend someone because it is a big decision and you would want a verifiable basis if you're brought before the third party of why you took that ultimately high decision to suspend someone and you would very definitely want to have a very very compelling and strong case and i think that you would have said well look because of the nature of the uh, allegation or complaint because of the nature of the role and because of the potential damage to the to the employer's business or reputation and or the potential damage that could happen to other employees, we felt we had no other option but to suspend. But I think any employer would want a very compelling case if they were taking that taking that step. And I, it is one on, I do think, employers rush to at times. And I think that can be a mistake. It's an important point to, to consider. I suppose with so many things to consider that it might it might it may end up in front of a, a third party and you may have to defend your, your procedures, your process, that kind of stuff. I suppose building on that end then I know Dean was mentioned a case there. Is there any other case law from your perspective and that people should be kind of aware of, any kind of key takeaways that have helped shape this whole landscape of suspensions in recent years? Yeah. Um I'd say that probably up until ten years ago that the courts or you would have said would have historically taken the view that if an employee was suspended as a holding suspension to investigate, pre-investigate going to disciplinary, that the courts kind of would have gone along with the employer who said, are sure, you know, we have the right in the contract of employment. Um, But there's a case, um, Wallace and the um, Aviation Authority, and that's with 
Justice Hogan, who's now in our Supreme Court. And that's when this reputational damage piece started coming out. And in it, he refers to, which I think is a great phrase, um, about Ireland and the Valley of the Squinting Windows. I think referencing a, a 1918 book where, you know, there was a small Irish village who liked to talk. And I think that's just a very appropriate um, analogy for this, that Ireland is small and that if someone is out and they are out of the workplace, people will talk and that could have an impact on your reputation, even if the suspension is simply a holding suspension. And I think then uh, Liam moved on to O'Reilly, which dealt with this whole point that certainly an investigation pending a disciplinary. So once you start getting into it being a disciplinary um, and that the investigation could lead to disciplinary. And I mean, I think the reality is that most suspensions, there has to be some thought in the employer's mind that it would lead to disciplinary, that, that the O'Reilly and those points um, kick in, which is the protecting your reputation, you know, don't take the decision to suspend lightly that it's not just a case or sure will suspend because it's the easiest way to do it, that the employer has to think of not just that employee themselves, other employees. Um, and also, as Liam said, look at alternatives and working from home. Um, and then subsequent to that, then this year, in May this year, there's a case of Sullivan um, and the HSE. Um, and that case went all the way to the Supreme Court. So we have since May, I suppose, the Supreme Court looking at this. And really, I think what that case has done, it's hammered home the fact that reputational damage is an issue. So really, these kind of holding suspensions just because, um, you know, they're no longer safe, I suppose, for employers, that you need to do the other O'Reilly points of looking at alternatives. But O'Sullivan also brought in this new point about review. So it's not only look at it, consider it at the time. Um, there is also this consideration that you also need to review it. So it's not just a case that I suppose at the time, the good practice of considering it, documenting it, which now is all very difficult for an employer where something happens in the workplace, but at least to be mindful to these things that you consider it, you document it, but that you can't just leave the employee out there then and say, look, job done. We've the kind of paperwork around that, that you would continuously review that suspension. Um, and I would say probably in the public sector where there's the risk of judicial review as well as, you know, the normal kind of plenary proceedings that might say this is unfair, um, that that ongoing review and the decision is very important, you know. And again, that extra step in the public sector where they are amiable to judicial review, that the decisions need to be reasoned and fair and all of that. Mm -hmm. But no harm for a private employer to to take on board that as well. So I think, as Lima said, suspensions, they're hard and they need to be kind of looked at constantly by an employer. Definitely. And one, one point that uh, Anne did raise there um, or mentioned there, Liam, is around the whole, I suppose, documentation, communication side of things as well. I know it's, it's something that Anne has kind of touched upon there with different case law or whatever, but it, it is something that I know stands out to me. You want to hear about these things, Liam, where documentation, communication, like so many other things can really, I suppose, tip this one way or another, can't it? Absolutely. And, it, you know, it, it's so important, Owen. And again, you know, I know we, whenever we have Mary or myself on our podcast, we talk about the organization's own disciplinary procedures. And what does that set out that in this event, 
the organization will do? And has somebody actually looked at the disciplinary procedures and have they complied with their own disciplinary procedures? Because very often, as I'm sure happens in, in Anne's world, you know, you get the employer and they look at, oh, oh golly, gosh, we were supposed to write to the employee in advance and give 24 hours notice that there was potentially going to be a suspension meeting and he or she could bring a colleague. But we kind of forgot, I mean, in our haste, we kind of forgot about that because the issue that was before us was so un- so important. So it's really, really important that I think you would take the appropriate advice, but also that you would be very careful in terms of setting out the basis for the potential suspension, um, how it would be reviewed, that you don't want to make any potential damage to the reputation of, of the employee, and setting out exactly why it has been necessary to take this step. And I think they're, they're very much the basics. And I think if lots of employers went through that thought process on, um, they may find other avenues to deal with the concern that is before them without necessarily having to have a paid suspension. And we put it out there that, you know, someone can be brought into a different role. Somebody can report to a different person. They can work on different projects. They can potentially work from home or work from a different office. Um, or they can be put in charge of a different client base temporarily. So there's lots of potential avenues for the employer to investigate the very serious concerns that have come in. And, and we're not saying for any minute that, that an employer um, would potentially take these steps where there were low-level concerns being, being raised, but where there are serious concerns which do need analysis and investigation, that's fine. But again, I come back to, is it ultimately necessary to suspend the employee? And I think it, a lot of thought needs to go into that. And certainly, um, I would be taking advice if I was an employer around that whole scenario. And again, uh, Anne has, has referred to the different cases and the possibility of rep- reputational damage, because there is no doubt on. Um, one of the questions which the employer will be asked is, well, what exactly have you told my colleagues? Um, so, you know, people at Insight HR or no longer see Liam Barton on the podcast. So they no longer see Liam. They suddenly see an out of office. So Liam has disappeared for a couple of weeks. So Liam is inquisitive as regard to what exactly has Mary Cullen told my colleagues regarding my absence from the office and what exactly may she have told other potential clients out there. So it's, re- it's really, really important that employers would understand uh, that this is a serious issue and that, you know, uh, any employee will be potentially concerned regarding their status within the workforce, uh, outside of the workforce in terms of clients and customers and uh, and suppliers, um, but also their colleagues and their status w- within the organization and the potential for promotion within the organization and so forth. So it's not just an interim, you know, that there's a shock to the system in terms of the, the employee. It's also the long-term promotability within the organization of that particular employee. So it really is something that takes a lot of lot of time and consideration, I would say, Owen. Definitely. I suppose another thing that may more obviously, I suppose, or arguably more obviously tip this kind of stuff either way, and it's something that I'll come, both of, come to both of you for, welcome to yourself, again, Liam, if that's the right first, mm-hmm. is the whole fairness and impartiality kind of piece. So obviously if, let's say, for example, somebody is suspending an employee as a precautionary measure before an investigation. I mean, how important is it to make sure that that whole process is fair, impartial, and can't be, I suppose, open to open to risk there if it does come to a, a third party? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think, again, I, you'd be going back to 
your own disciplinary procedure and if that disciplinary procedure one sets out well because this is such a high level decision it can only be taken by a director or a senior manager or a ceo or whoever it is um you know the employee might inquire well and perhaps if the if the employee is legally represented, they might inquire, well, who took the decision? Uh, you know, when was the decision taken? You, you know, I certainly have had cases where, you know, I've taken a phone call at a quarter to four uh, and given advice and, and sort of said, no, I, I don't think it's it's appropriate to suspend. And I get a call at five past four and they've actually suspended the employee on full pay. Um, so... You know, an an employer, an employer or a client would be well advised to sort of think, you know, who's taking the decision? Has this been documented? What thought process uh, has gone into it? Is it minuted? Um, you know, what other options were considered? We went through a, a few of the options. Who ultimately made the decision? Um, did they go through a risk analysis uh, process if that's set out in the, the employee handbook or the disciplinary procedure? Um, did they comply with their own procedure? So from, from a fairness and impartiality point of view, it's really, really important. And I think, Owen, sometimes what happens is employers get almost blinded by the concern or the allegation. And, you know, oh my golly gosh, we've got an allegation of bullying, sexual harassment, theft, misappropriation of funds, whatever it may be. And that's very serious. But equally, it's an allegation. It's unproven. And, you know, the person has a, has a presumption of, uh, of innocence. So it's really, really important that um, owners, directors, HR practitioners really, I think, take advice and only suspend where they absolutely have to, but that it's considered very, very carefully at a high level within the organization and that there is due process and natural justice and that those potentially taking the decision um, consider it very, very carefully and consider the cases that, that Anne has alluded to and what the mm-hmm. standards are. And, and increasingly, I mean, if, if we were talking 10 to 15 years ago, as Anne had sort of said, you know, a concern came in, someone was suspended on full pay. Well, yeah, that sounds fair enough. I think the landscape has changed quite considerably now. So I think any employer considering suspension would want to be very, very careful of their footing in relation to what they're doing and how they're doing it and and often what happens on to be honest with you is you know a query comes in who actually took the decision to suspend this employee and sometimes within clients there can be a little bit of confusion well was it the director maybe it was the ceo i'm not really sure well i know we discussed it with legal and and they kind of said well you know it's 50 50 you can or you might be able to or you might not and so it's very very important that I think those with that ultimate serious decision-making responsibility take the appropriate advice. And if they feel it's necessary to suspend on full pay, they have a clear and transparent basis as to why they came to that decision, which ultimately may be tested in a, in a third-party forum. Definitely. And I suppose it's a very similar question to yourself. And I mean, missing something like that, it can be construed to be mishandled or even unjustified when it comes to the end of it. And I can't. So I suppose from your perspective, what are kind of some of the common pitfalls, risk, risks, challenges when it comes to this kind of stuff and anything like that that kind of jumps out to you, I suppose? 
Yeah, I suppose firstly, I think Gleams made the point there about who took the decision. I think that's important because remember, looking forward to any future disciplinary, you know, ideally the people, the person who took the decision to suspend isn't involved in the disciplinary. And I know that can be difficult in smaller organizations, but because that's a big decision and you are almost like making a decision about someone without um, any process, it's just important that you're keeping people straight. And then as you go through that process, so rather than backward looking, the forward looking in terms of keeping someone suspended for a short period as possible, you know, that that it's done speedily. Um, the review that we talked about from O'Sullivan and then just that people have access to documents because if they're suspended and don't have access to the system that you're not kind of keeping them out. In terms of um, pitfalls, the obvious pitfall and risk to employer for a suspension is an injunction where an employee says this suspension is unlawful, uh, it's reputationally damaging, it's been going on too long, you didn't give a clear decision um, and you go to the high court to say to look to get it lifted. Uh, so in response, what's the answer to that? Well, look, an employer could at that point let the person back or then do that back shifting of that analysis of, well, we'll let you work from home or we'll agree something with you. So, you know, if you do that, then it not doesn't quite fall away because I suppose arguably someone could maintain a reputational damage claim, but where you're letting them back and people see them, that in and of itself, you know, would perhaps dampen it um but that's not always feasible do you know what i mean and that's why that if you do the correct paperwork at the start um you would then stand over or justify your injunction um and i suppose one thing also to factor in is that things take so long or can take so long in court that actually you know even if it's ultimately found to be unlawful the ends could justify the means and that if it's so important to someone to keep a suspension that they would just fast, fast track through to the through to the disciplinary um but you do have situations where a court would lift the suspension um and the employee would then ultimately look for damages based on reputation for that um so that's why i suppose when you look at the case law on it like where it, what's the spectrum you know so we talked about the Irisher just because it suits me all the way towards and Liam gave the kind of four examples of the to prevent a repetition, to prevent interference with um, evidence, protection of others, protection of employees. I think a good example of an injunction where it was upheld is the Enoch Burke and Wilson's hospital case. Um, so that's on that spectrum where the um, employer was saying that there would be disruption to the workforce, to the workplace, um, if the suspension was lifted, and specifically where the employee uh, didn't agree not to repeat the behaviour, you know. So I suppose you could have the disruption, but if an employee, for example, says, "Well, no, I'll give an un undertaking not to repeat that behaviour," that pushes it further down the spectrum. So I suppose there are your two extremes, and unfortunately, then in between lies all the rest of the the different types mm -hmm. of suspensions. Um, and then I think a pitfall as well is, um, I suppose, in a WRC case on an unfair, unfair dismissal. I mean, it's probably not in and of itself a catastrophic point, the suspension, but it does feed into a wider point around an, um, the WRC when making a decision as to whether a dismissal was fair, having regard to all the circumstances of the case, was the suspension as part of the process justified? Um, 
And the other piece, I think, is always this conundrum for employers is gross misconduct. So, you know, gross misconduct isn't a statutory definition. It's for each employer to decide what gross misconduct is within its own organization and then for it to reach that bar. So, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because if you suspend uh, based on based on gross misconduct, it may not be serious and you could risk the you could risk a you know, a court lifting that. But I think for an employer to say something's gross misconduct, but to have not suspended, you're going to have an employee saying, sure, if it was so serious and if it was so dangerous, like, why didn't you suspend me? Sure, you had me in there working away. So I'm not, so I, I think that's a real risk for employers because either way you're you're kind of pillared, you know, you, you kind of, um, and you'd say to an employer, I suppose, you probably would have to pitch towards suspension if you are going for gross misconduct. So I, 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 I think it, it'd be difficult to justify the gross misconduct. But equally, then you have to really make sure that you have reached that bar. And again, that within your list, ideally in your disciplinary procedure, what the person did matchy matches in with that, along with matchy matchy into the contract. So again, you have the kind of different clauses and all that matching up, and then you go along with your process. Definitely, that's a great point. And there's, there's also a spectrum. And I must actually Google that Enoch Burke case. I didn't hear about that one. A joke, of course, we all did. Um, but no, it's a good it's a good example, though, of obviously how, how it is on a spectrum. Um, and a lot to consider there, absolutely. So it's great to great to get those insights and appreciate that. Um, I suppose one of the things, Anne, or one of the things Liam that Anne alluded to there as well was around, I suppose, kind of wanting to get it right. I suppose, obviously, there's the whole aspect of not wanting to be found to have done an unfair dismissal, that kind of stuff in it on a, I suppose, a WRC third party forum basis. But there's also the side of this theme where you, just from a human level, you don't want to give somebody the wrong punishment or get something wrong. So there is a little bit of that with it as well, Liam, that you want to get this mm. right from, I suppose, various kind of levels, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, just as you were saying that, and as I was listening to, to Anne, it really is a tricky area. Um, and it's, it's one of those gray areas where ultimately somebody has to make a decision on the basis of the evidence in front of them. Um, do I suspend this person on, on, on full page? Do I take them out of the organization? How serious is it? Um, and very often, unfortunately, Owen, people are doing that on the basis of not having the full picture in front of them. Um, so you might have an employer um, and they've been made of serious allegations in the realm of sexual harassment um, and you know the person against whom the the, the allegations um, have been have been made you know has a presumption of innocence um, but equally there are very very serious allegations and and concerns so there's where I suppose ultimately organizations have to consider um, their employees and they have a duty of care under health and safety legislation to, to consider the, the safety and, and well-being of, of their employees and of any contractor or person who may come into the organization. They can consider the, the organization's business and reputation, and that's something that does impact on the, the organization's uh, reputation. And they have to protect employees at, at risk um, because the employer, if put on notice that there was a concern regarding potentially sexual harassment happening within the organization and then didn't do anything about it would be seen to be negligent um, in full. So 
I, I think it's all all the advice I can give to to HR professionals or or, or business um, managers who have to make a decision is I think to to consider very carefully whatever evidence is in front of them, to take a considered view, to take the appropriate advice, to consider the policies and procedures, and to think what is a reasonable thing to do, what's a a reasonable uh, act to make. And if you're of the view that you can simultaneously investigate the very serious concerns while continuing to have the person continue at work, perhaps in a different basis or in a different department or in a different way, um, that would be best. Um, if you're of the view that the allegations are, are, are so serious and, and so potentially damning and that, that the risk to you know, fellow employees or the employee who's brought forward the concerns are just so serious, you, you, you couldn't take the risk of having the, the employee continue, then ultimately you may have to suspend on, on full pay. But um, I would also consider the, the employee um, against whom the allegation is, uh, has been made and the potential for reputational damage to them. Um, I would consider the review um, which, which Anne has, has referred to and to keep the matter under review and under consideration. And so it's not as simple as placing someone on suspension, they're on paid suspension, essentially they're out of the workforce um, and that's it. And, and the other point which, which Anne makes, which I think is a really, really important point, Owen, is a lot of it comes down to the speed of the investigation. And we're always balancing, you know, you can't do a comprehensive workplace investigation in two weeks. Um, that's true, but uh, you need to keep the investigation moving and you need to keep the parties to the investigation appraised with regard to where it's going. And, you know, investigations can take months. And I, I do recall a case in, in the WRC where I think the investigation took three months and the WRC adjudicator couldn't understand why it had taken three months when just two and in, two investigation interviews had been completed. And so I think there's a real re- responsibility on the organization either itself if they are conducting potentially an investigation or a third party to try and get the investigatory process completed as quickly as possible. And I think that that requirement is heightened where someone is on paid suspension because the longer the paid suspension goes on, the longer the person is out of the, the furniture in terms of the, the office dynamic, uh, the more the employee can quite legitimately argue, with, look, my reputation is now being damaged. Uh, I'm cut off from my suppliers. I'm cut off from my clients. I'm cut off from colleagues. My possibility of promotion within the organization is being negatively, impact, negatively impacted. So this is having a, a damning, um, a damning impact on me, both in 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 current terms, in terms of my my um, reputation, but also in terms of long term um, earnings potential and the uh, the property the possibility of promotion within the organisation, and my reputation in the wider um, industry. And very often the industry is limited. So if you're talking about certain industries, um, you know, word will get out on the street very quickly that you know joe blogs or mary blogs is not at work and why aren't they at work and i think the, the book the value of the squinting windows is is an ideal example in terms of people will talk and people will very often put two and two together and get 
47. So it's really, really important that um, people strike the right balance and take take decisions where they really consider the potential impact on the employee and on the wider workforce. But in as much as possible, if there is a third party investigating, which we often do, that you try and get the investigatory process with due regard to completing a fair investigation and a thorough investigation, get the investigation completed as efficiently as possible, Owen, because that's that's where th- th- there is, I suppose, that, that dynamic of, well, now it's been six months. Mm-hmm. You know, the investigation is still going on, so therefore it's going to take another three months or whatever, and that would be nine months I'd potentially be cut off from the workforce, and that has an impact, and I think that's, that's a credit. That's a really credible argument from the from the employee who has been suspended. Point of view, definitely. And I suppose it's perfect segue on to my final question. I'll come to both of you, but I'll come to yourself first, Anna. If that's right. I suppose we've gone through a lot of stuff there. Um, so not necessarily looking for any new huge ideas, and but I suppose a, a kind of a quick summary, kind of a key takeaways for employers. Anything I suppose when they're jumping into this process, and anything you would particularly outline to say, look, these are the important things. Yeah, I think to reiterate what we've said already, have it clear in your contract. Um, clear in your policies as to when suspension kicks in within those policies and then once you decide to suspend make sure you can do it considering the reputational damage the um uh the the timing around the suspension um the fairness to others and then the review piece which O'Sullivan brought in and to move through it as quickly as possible so really reiterating everything Liam said there, like there is a system to follow on it, so it might seem kind of daunting, but there is kind of things you can look at along the way to certainly protect yourself more in it and also allows the employer at each stage to kind of reflect on, um, is it hitting the bar and all of these things. Definitely, and I suppose similar question to yourself, Liam, then kind of key takeaways, key considerations. I suppose a lot of it, Liam, is taking the emotion out of it, taking out the rush to judgment, the anger, taking out the, the pride and picking up the phone, looking for support, all those kind of things as well, isn't it? I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I, I, I think to suspend our emotional reaction to 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 the concern at, at hand, and and within certain industries, you know, you you can be dealing with the vulnerable, you can be dealing with the aged, you can be dealing with uh, the sick, or you could potentially be dealing with those with intellectual disabilities. So, you know, we can be very emotionally disturbed and upset, rightly so, in relation to certain concerns that are brought forward. But we also need to almost suspend our emotional reaction, be concerned about it, but use our objectivity and our impartiality to say, well, look, you know, I think one maybe bit of advice would be if if the if it were me that were potentially facing this, you know, potential paid suspension, how would I feel? I'd be I'd be anxious, I'd be upset, I'd be concerned uh, regarding the, you know, the reputational damage or my future income and so on and so forth. So I think it's important to balance the real concerns that are being brought forward, but the, the, the presumed innocence of the employee. And Anne is absolutely right in terms of, you know, very often this doesn't fit into a particular box. So there's a concern that's brought forward um, and an employee, an employer has to consider it. But it's very much not black and white. It rarely is when we're dealing with these types of matters. So I, I do think due consideration needs to take place and 
employers increasingly need to be aware of case law, particularly the one that ones that Anne has has highlighted in terms of the bar and potential suspension and the need to consider potential reputational damage and what, what an employee considers regarding their reputation might be different at times to what an employer considers regarding the reputation of the employee. So you need to have a fair and, and, and very balanced approach, I would say, Owen. Definitely. A lot to consider and a lot of, I suppose, valuable cases as well, which we will link to in the show notes to do. Keep an eye out for those. But a lot of great points. I'm glad we got to, to cover so much. So I do really appreciate that. And, and Liam, for, for your insights there. Really important, really insightful discussion. Um, thank you to everyone for listening, obviously. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. Again, if you have any questions about these topics or anything similar, do feel free to, to jump in with the comments there on social media or get in touch with us. If you are enjoying these episodes, do please fee- feel free to share them with colleagues, friends, and family. And even better, if you can leave us a review on whatever platform you're on, we'd really appreciate it. We do love the feedback. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insidehr.ie. Thank you, Anne, and thank you, Liam. Thanks, Owen. Thank you very much, Owen. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.